Welcome to another episode of the Bakari Sellers Podcast. Today, we have a living legend. I mean, somebody, and this is apropos that we're having this conversation during this time where we are watching the NBA playoffs. Shout out to uh, Trey Young. Um, but we have none other than Spencer Haywood joining us today. How you doing today, man? I'm doing great. How are you? It's a pleasure. It's a real love- pleasure to meet you and to be on your show. I appreciate I that. I wore my, my, my Laker gear from... <laughs> <laughs> no, we had a we 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 just had a great uh, reunion in Hawaii. Magic Johnson set it up. He and Pat Riley and uh, uh, Jenny Buss, all of them. So we, so I thought I'd just be appropriately wearing the shield. I love it. I love it. I love all those jerseys you have behind you as well. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, but so my show is unique because we start each one of our episodes by having our guest walk us through the arc of their career. And for folks who don't know you, you're NBA Hall of Famer, NBA champion, and 14-year NBA veteran. But talk to us about your life after basketball. What have you been up to post-basketball? Post-basketball, I I, I first started a program with the Spencer Haywood Foundation in Detroit where we were trying to eradicate some of the drug use and, and also do pre-apprenticeship construction trade in in the city of Detroit, where we were going in and building homes and renovating homes, giving our elderly a ramp in which to come out of uh, their homes. So we did a lot of that work. We also changed the lives of a lot of young men and women on uh, helping them to get their GED. We also had a computer science class where we were teaching them coding and trying to get them to focusing on the technology of uh, this new world that we are in, not new world, but the old world, but in the new tech tech field. So that was one of the, the wonderful things that I've done. And then I became the chairman of the board for the NBA retired players. And in that process, I was able to secure through LeBron James, Steph Curry, Chris Paul, our champion, uh, health insurance for all of our retired players and their families, the same one that they have as uh, NBA players. So that was one of my biggest cool. And of course, uh, working with Mark Spears and Gary Washburn on, on a new book, we finished that book. And as we finished that book, um, it's called the Spencer Haywood rule, which all of the players are playing under. And then we, uh, got together with Bessel Benford, who is a, a Hollywood mogul. They have done a number of uh, shows. They have uh, Power One, Two, Three, Four, Five, I think, mm-hmm. and all of that Power series over there on Stars. Mm-hmm. And uh, Mark Canton, who is who has done 300, a number of other, and other other movies and also he is uh, was one of the executives of the studios uh, and t- my guy that I just finished visiting he was just inducted into the hall of fame and spent time with his son and him uh, uh, Terrell Harris Terrell Harris is Tobias Harris father oh yeah and he has a lot of young players uh in the NBA as an agent. So we got together and we started uh, working on this film. Let's let's talk about that real quick. I want to dig into uh, this biopic and your depiction, but 
I also want to talk about the Spencer Haywood rule just a little bit. You're probably best known for your fight uh, to push the NBA to allow players to declare for the draft without having to do four years of college. And I always tell folk in the barbershop that don't give you enough credit for who you are, but without you, we don't have LeBron, we don't have Kobe, we don't have the Kevin Garnett's, the Tracy McGrady's, and also the one and done's that are far more common. Uh, talk about your landmark case against the NBA and how that case gives us the current league that we have now and that we've had for some time, where some of our most iconic players post-Jordan have been high school guys or one and done's. Well, how it started was um, I <laughs> was playing at the University of Detroit, and then uh, the ABA came along and said, well, we need to get Kareem Abdul-Jabbar into the ABA and Kareem reneged at the last minute he was going to go over to the New, New York Nets uh, just prior to Julius Irvin getting there, because Julius Irvin at the time was with the Virginia Squires. And uh, so after one year in the ABA, MVP, me, I'm speaking of, I was the MVP, rookie of the year, leading scorer, leading rebounding, MVP of the league. And I wasn't doing 12 and 12, I was doing 30 and 20, basically. 30 and 15, 30 and 20? Yeah. Uh, no. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I, I was doing real work. And so all of a sudden I went in. <laughs> no, it's not, it's not a barbershop. <laughs> and no, because it sounds like the old guys, you know, we were doing real work. You guys are load management and, you know, stuff like that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> anyway, so, Bakari, um, my mother was, and my family was still in Mississippi picking cotton because I had to leave Mississippi early because, you know, I was growing big and I was aggressive. So they were going to put me in jail and just keep me on the farm. So I left and went to Detroit and was raised in Detroit after my early years in Silver City, Mississippi. And my mother was still picking cotton for $2 a day. I just made, I just came back from the Olympics. I saved America in the 1968 Olympics. I saved the University of Detroit, which is a division one school. Uh, and then I saved the ABA. And then I said, well, hey, I got to save my mother. So I asked the, the owner of the Denver franchise said, look, man, I need a new contract. And they said, oh yes, we're gonna give you this new contract. So they gave me a new contract and remember, I was underage, so uh, they gave me this new contract, and the contract later on was they put in different uh, amendments to the contract, and the amendment, the amendment to the contract was that I was to get the $1.5 million from age 70, no, from age 50 to age 70, and I would have to be employed by Ringsby Truck Line. So that was a fraudulent contract. And the way that they was going to derive at that number was that they were going to put $10,000 into the stock market. And by the time I reached 50, it would have reached partially to 1.5 and then it would just grow and grow. But yet I still had to. So <laughs> it was an insane contract. It yeah, was a Bernie Madoff contract. And so uh, then, I petitioned to the NBA, well, I got it. I need to play there. And uh, they said, no, you can't play here because, you know, you're an underclassman, you have another year left. And I said, well, you know, it's, it's time this rule changes, change because 
I had been with a lot of the old head lawyers and judges in the state of, in the city of Detroit. And uh, so Will Robinson had told me, yeah, we, we're gonna challenge this rule. And uh, I filed suit against the NBA for the rights to play and the NBA filed suit against me to get an injunction against me for not to play. Mm. So the case maneuvered its way through the courts a little bit and they would do horrible things to me because you know, it was the NC2A who was thinking that they were going to lose that free slavery. I mean, not slave money, but <laughs> I know what you mean. Yeah. The free money, you know, the, the free athlete for four years. And, and in the NBA was using it as a training facility that they didn't have to pay for while athletes stayed in college for the four years. So um, the case moved its way throughout all of the courts on into the Supreme Court. And when we got to the Supreme Court, Thurgood Marshall was explaining that we sent our young men to war in Vietnam at age 18, but yet this young man cannot make a living for himself and I think under the Sherman Antitrust Act, mm -hmm. we should allow him to play, and we are going to allow him to play, and that's how I won the case, seven to two. This episode is brought to you by Thomas's. Thomas's presents Technique with Tom. Slicing an English muffin with a butter blade? Boulder Dash. Just pull apart with your hands and marvel in the nooks and crannies splendor, for each one is unique like a snowflake. Thomas's. Huzzah! A toast to breakfast. This episode is brought to you by 7-Eleven. What if I told you you could get a big snack almost anywhere for less than five bucks? Let's talk 7-Eleven's $3 big meal deal with seven rewards. Big meal deal is a big bite hot dog and a large big gulp drink. And you won't find a better snack deal anywhere else. Here's what I put on my hot dog. Mustard. And that's it. That's it. I love a hot dog with mustard. Maybe if the chili, if I'm feeling it, if I'm feeling crazy, maybe a little chili, maybe a little nacho cheese, but I'm a hot dog and mustard guy. But if that sounds like your kind of bite, visit 7-Eleven, valid through 1725. 7-Eleven has the right to end this promotion early, plus tax, applicable on large Big Gulp only, participating U.S. stores only. See app for full terms. All rights reserved. Let's, uh, can we talk a little bit about Lenny Wilkins and the role he played in your development as a player and in supporting your efforts to fight the NBA to let you play? And yes. where, where does Lenny, in your opinion, stack up against some of the coaching legends? Lenny, as a coach, he, he's at the top. You know, he's in the top three or four, I would think, in my opinion, because Lenny Wilkins nursed me through my case because they would throw me out of arenas and say, ladies and gentlemen, we have an illegal player on the floor. And they would put me out of the arena on the, uh, which the grounds in which the arena sat on. So I'm standing out in the cold freezing and Lenny Wilkins nursed me through that whole process and kept me calm, kept me in place. And when people would come up and, and kick me or hit me in the hallways, when we were checking into the hotel, he would like, you can't, you can't fight back. You can't do it. You're going to blow the case. And so, Lenny was like a brother and like a father taking me through that journey. What a great man. But also, I would like to say that Lenny Wilkins was like a, maybe a seven-time All-Star as mm -hmm. well. Lenny Wilkins was a great player, you know, great, great player and a great human being, former soldier in the U.S. Army. I mean, 
What a great man. I still, I'm going to see him on June 22nd, I think it is, coming up. Good. Good. Yeah. So when, when, when will this movie be available? Because I'm going to be right there watching it. I'm, I'm excited. Well, we're looking at uh, maybe the first set will come out perhaps at the NBA All-Star Game in Indianapolis because in Indianapolis is where I was the MVP and the youngest American basketball player to ever win the MVP in any um, uh, American basketball or NBA. So, uh, mm. and that's in February. So we're looking to wrap it up. So the HBO special show, the, the HBO special Showtime um, depicted those early Lakers teams. And it also depicted you at a time in your life when you were battling addiction. Mm-hmm. How did you feel generally about that HBO Showtime series? And did it capture the dynamic between Magic and Kareem accurately? Jerry West seemed to hate the film, but how accurate was the portrayal of him? Well, for, let's go with Jerry West. Jerry West, that was inaccurate in the sense that Jerry was not that insane and he was not. Uh, yeah, because of the way it, did, it looked. I, I know. Like, <laughs> because I talked to Jerry. Jerry was like, oh, my God, I'm going to kill somebody. I was like, no, Jerry, Jerry, no. Listen, it's okay. You know, everybody know who you are. You know what you've done. So Jerry was hurt. Magic you know, on our trip, we always just jabbing about everything. So, um, so Magic is a bit hurt. But as I said to Magic, when we all was just at, as we had watched it, I was like, man, everybody in their rookie year had a taste. So don't don't feel bad. We were young. We were coming out of uh, our communities. We didn't know. We didn't have no examples because the players before us, you know, Bill Russell and all those guys, they gave us examples, but they were just like we were when they when they got into the league. So that was uh, somewhat of a bad depiction of magic. But uh, all in all, it's good for Kareem because Kareem had helped in this movie. He had helped me through my process of recovery. And also he had helped so many Muslims throughout the world to understand the religion from what for what it is. It's not a racist religion. It's not a, yeah. uh, a that kind of religion. So that movie depicted that perfectly. Uh, my other guys, I mean, they did get me with my circumcision, which my brother had us circumcise ourselves and then sit back and laugh and said, I would never do that, you stupid <laughs> young boys. And and of course, to show me in the light of uh, me falling from grace with cocaine and crack at that time was uh, was was done very good and very tastefully done. And also I think Wood, Wood Harris did a great job on me. Yeah. But it did a little better with his makeup, but hey. <laughs> so it was true to all the way up until the part where we're gonna kill somebody. So that was not, that was a little bit more of a dramatization, but I don't have any problem. When I talked with the afterwards, I had uh, a long conversation with the producers, executive producers, and the two athletes who played uh, Magic and Kareem and Wood and I have had our relationship developed over the years. So, you know, it's, it's motion picture, it's telling a story. Sometimes you have to amp it up a little bit. So. It was a good thing for me because from that, everybody said, wait a minute, 
let's see what the rest of his life. Yeah. So that's how this movie came in. So God intervened and said, look, I will show you the real Spencer Hayward and what he has done for the NBA and his players. Now, what I've done for the players that are current and the ones that have passed in the past, I have helped make them over $35 billion in player salaries. And so by that, I mean, a guy like LeBron James, he, he missed out on four years of college but he missed and he made up for four years of NBA at 50 million. That's $200 million just in salary. So you go for Michael Jordan. He's got like a 50 million uh, magic Johnson to another hundred million. So it goes all the way down to the current group. And the sad thing about it is the players association for which I fought for the players they have not put my name on this ruling. Now, the NBA, I kind of feel where they're coming from because I've sued and fought against them. But the NBA owners have made over $65 billion off of my ruling. Yeah. So it's just on God's time. That's all I can yeah, say. It'll, it'll happen. It'll happen. Let me ask you a few questions before I get you out of here, though. Okay. Uh, we're in the middle of the NBA playoffs. Do you still watch basketball if so what players do you look forward to watching the most well i was i watched all last night i love kevin durant lebron kevin james i love him so much uh because that's was my style of play as a young player and all of the old heads when they when we were like at the all-star game this past uh um winter uh julius and kareem and everybody was like to lebron Hey, this is you right there. That's Spencer. That dude was like you. He was a phenom. And so I love him. Steph Curry. I love the young players. DeAndre Fox. Oh, yeah. Him. He's sweet. Trey, the Iceman. The second Iceman. The second Ice Trey. Yeah, the second one. Yeah, yeah, I saw him freezing last night. He was cold. <laughs> I was like, whoa, that was sweet. <laughs> After the jumper. Yeah. The <laughs> Giannis, yeah. Uh, Joker, um, uh, uh, Luca. I yeah. mean, it's ironic, isn't it, that, you know, my ruling that the fact that the European and African players just as much as the yep. American players, because the last three MVPs have been from out of this country. And the yeah. fourth one is coming. It's about to be. Jo- Joel? Joel. Yeah, yeah, he will. He will. He will. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com. This episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. 
So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. This episode is brought to you by Thomas's. Thomas's presents Technique with Tom. Slicing an English muffin with a butter blade? Boulder Dash. Just pull apart with your hands and marvel in the nooks and crannies splendor. For each one is unique like a snowflake. Thomas's. Huzzah. A toast to breakfast. I love to ask this, ask this question for players. I've asked it to Charles and many others that come on the show. So when you played, who were the four or five players that were the toughest to play, but that you enjoyed to play against the most? Julius Irvin, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. I mean, going back to the old, old days, I loved playing uh, against Wilt, but Elgin Baylor was like trouble for me because I was out there guarding him and he had a twitch in his neck. So, and I wasn't reading it the press report saying from our locker room that Lenny was saying, we got to twitch now, don't go for the twitch. So I left the game, my first game against him because he was my hero and he left me with 40 and 15. And I was like, what twitch? <laughs> I was so excited. So yeah, those kind of guys were my, my uh, kind of players. I want you to talk about what made, uh, just reflecting on your career, you were part of the first the first Lakers championship team led by Magic Johnson or co-led by Magic and Kareem. Can you talk about what made that team special and how do you think that Lakers 1980s team stacked up against other teams that won in the 80s like the Sixers, Lakers, Celtics, and Pistons? Well, uh, we could have, uh, if I had have been in good health during that period and all the way through, we could beat any of those teams because we had, we had like me at a power forward, Jamal Wilkes at a small forward, got Magic Johnson at the big guard. I mean, the point guard, you had Norm Nixon as a shooting guard, and you had Kareem in the box. Whoa. And we had guys coming off the bench, Jim Jones. We had like just Michael Cooper. We had players and we could play. It was we would have dominated any of those players for years to come, and of course, you know they didn't. They didn't. <laughs> the players on the trip to Hawaii when we had our Laker reunion, they were looking at me like, "Wow, we could have had ten of them in a row." Wood, what you happened? Can you? you can do that with Larry. Larry. You can do that with Larry Bird and them boys. I did. We did. <laughs> I shut him down. And, and shut him down. I shut him down when we played against him in his rookie year. <laughs> yeah. Boston? <laughs> Boston? Yeah, exactly. Uh, oh, man. Well, you know, Jordan and that group would have been a pretty tough run for us, but we would have wiped them. Yeah, I mean, Jordan would have gave y'all 60, but you still would have beat them. We would have beat them. Yeah, because that, that was a that was a more Well, they wouldn't have gave us 60 because we would have had Cooper rotating off of him. I would have rotated on to him, and I'm too big for him. I'd beat him up. And uh, Jordan okay. always talked about You know, Jordan called me one night. We was in New York doing an event. He called, come on, man, we got to go have dinners. I go down to dinner, and we're talking, and he's running his mouth. Yada, yada, yada. Man, we were the best team. I said, boy, please. <laughs> I, I'm gonna see him on the golf course too, and I'm gonna have, I'm gonna say I had you on the show. And well, tell him about his his invitation that he told me. He said, "Listen, I'm bringing you down for to to play golf at my course." Yeah, Mike. All right, I will bring you down. We we members of the same club. Oh, okay. How, how can people follow you and keep up with your new projects and what you have going on? 
Do well, you have a social media president, presence or how can people follow you? You can catch me on uh, Instagram, Spencer Haywood 24. Um, also on um, Facebook, Spencer Haywood 24. Uh, those are the basic two that I'm on. Um, the rest of it is is through the film company. And uh, so we'll be putting up a, uh, <clears throat> our lines up and everything. And and perhaps you can get a get a chance to get follow the film, follow the making, and follow the whole process. And don't forget to tell Michael. He said that I I blew up. I would have been the richest George, uh, Mike Nike player in the history of Nike, which I would have been, but my agent sold my stock. So, uh, damn. All right. Well, none yeah, other than Spencer Haywood. Thank you for coming through, spending some time with us. I love it. We got to catch up one day soon. Let's do that. Okay. Congratulations on this film. I can't wait for it. It's gonna be a